This is Big Talk. Michael Glab here. My guests this week in the studio, Michelle Martin Coleman and Elaine Gwynn. Thanks for being here on Big Talk. Thanks for having Thank us. Thank you. The two of them are involved in a project, Project Stay. How do we talk about this thing? And we rarely do talk about this thing, and that is suicide. Mm-hmm. Project Stay. Michelle Martin Coleman is the founder of this group? Well, I had an idea, and I met someone who had written a book called Stay, and I had the opportunity when I was in New York, she is a poet, um, of going to hear her speak and asked her if she minded if we started a project called Stay. Um, I explained that uh, my father had taken his own life ah. uh, in the mid-'70s and that having people stay has, I didn't realize it until recently, has always been a personal goal of mine. So all of the work I've done for a lifetime, whether it's working for Girl Scouts USA and the World Belongs to You initiatives or uh, 10, 15 years ago, I got a grant, uh, a CAPE grant, to do something called the Ophelia Project that dealt with the mean girl syndrome and relational aggression. Uh-huh. And all of the work I did along these lines were geared toward creating environments for people that caused them to want to stay. Because I knew if you have a bad experience as a child in whatever organizations you're with, you grow up negative thoughts. If you suffer from bullying or relational aggression, we had the Ophelia Project. We did deal with relational aggression. And in the I didn't realize it, but what I was really dealing with, the thought that if we can't stop this bullying here, then people will be taking their own lives, which sadly, fast forward 10 years, and it is happening at increased rates. So that's how Stay got started. Elaine, this is the season of family, love, joy, warmth. It's the great season. Everything's good and wonderful. So why are we talking about this now? Well, it's not always wonderful for everyone. During the holidays, uh, suicide increases. Mm-hmm. And so it's not a happy time for everyone. Um, sometimes people are missing a mother that passed away or a father, or and, and there's a loss that they're experiencing or other things that they're going through. There's also a lot of pressure on Americans financially. Yeah. And the holidays are not happy for everyone. And so a message that we had hoped to get out there, especially during the holidays, is to talk about this. We need to talk about that people are feeling sad at this time of the year, and um, we want to raise awareness about that. I would think that there's a thought out there that if a person is going to commit suicide, they must be mentally ill. Hmm. That's a a catchphrase. It's it's something that's used to dismiss the problem as, oh, well, that's not my problem because they were mentally ill. Which is a perfect segue into some of the celebrities that we have heard of Mm -hmm. that have taken their own lives. Mm -hmm. And you know, it's real easy to just pass this off as, well, I can't help them. Mm -hmm. We want to raise awareness that this can happen to anyone. 
it can happen to anyone. And the the reason that Elaine and I got so, so active in promoting this was that the person who is best able to intervene in a suicide is the person who is waking up next to the person who is at risk, the person who talks with the person at risk every day, uh, the person who has divorced the person, uh, the children that have moved away, not to put guilt on anyone, but to Uh. say, when a life situation changes, especially in these times when there is so much more stress, so much more input that people have to deal with. It's so different than it used to be in the past. And please know, suicide is usually something that is decided very, very quickly. I would think, and I assume I'm just like everybody else, that it's something that you grapple with for weeks or months and finally you say, I can't take it anymore. But it is, it's an almost impulsive act. It's almost impulsive. And so what we work with in terms of stay is to try and get them to stay just for that 10, 15 minutes when we can help them through talking to them, help get them to a location that can provide them with longer-term support. Perhaps they need medication at the time. Just something to help them stay for that crucial 15 minutes. We think of suicide as the end of the story. Mm. But what you're saying in a lot of ways is it's the beginning of many stories. Survivors of suicide are, are uh, people who have been left behind by someone who has taken their own lives. It used to be we thought, oh, the three people around the immediately family is yeah. affected by this. Then it was expanded to, okay, well, then there are friends in school and there are friends who knew them and that's friends at work. That's 50 people. Now... There's an estimated thousands of people who are affected by someone's suicide because of the ripple effect. Mm-hmm. There's a ripple. And so what we'd like at this moment to remind people is if you are thinking of taking your own life, please reach out to anyone. We've Elaine and I have had people reach out to us in supermarkets in, we're at the mall now. Uh, the, the venue Fine Arts and Gifts is at the mall. And I've had three people come to me and talk about suicide and say, uh, I put a table out with a good deal of information, a lot of it for the military because they are highly, highly at risk now. Mm. If you know military people, please reach out. Let them know they're cared about. Uh, there is a coalition in town of social service agencies and counselors and such, uh, and that's the Monroe County Suicide Prevention Coalition. Ah. You can look on their website to help find a counselor, to help find social services. But what STAY is about is helping people find a person. So there's Elaine, there's myself, there's Missy Patterson, there's Teresa Wellman. Teresa Wellman hosts a suicide loss, survivor of suicide loss program at the Monroe County Library, the fourth Sunday of the month from Uh noon to two. You can go drop in, come once, come every week. My program is called A Loss Program, Loving Outreach to Survivors of Suicide. We meet the second Monday of the month, 
at the venue Fine Arts and Gifts After Hours. On Grant Street, right on across Grant from Street. SOMA. Right. Right yeah. and, and I should add, uh, the reason you keep on mentioning the venue is uh, your family runs uh, the venue? that operation. Right, and out of that, I again, from the very beginning, started a program called When Art Heals. Art heals people, and we know that when they can create collages or get their emotions on paper and out, it makes a tremendous difference and has a big impact in people wanting to stay. So... About once a month, we have a collage-making workshop at the venue for that purpose. And do you know the first meeting ever about Project Stay and the uh, collage-making? It was 5.30. We had four people there. Two of them were lived experience. That means they've attempted to like their own lives. Um, And there were others. And there was a knock at the door. I opened it. A young woman was standing there tears in her eyes, and she said, I just quit my job. She listed a number of things. She said, I want you to tell me what I need to tell myself to make me want to stay. And what she had done was Google things to do tonight on visit because she had just left her job of 20 years. She had a very, she has a very challenging... She was lost. She was lost, and she was there. And it was... A remarkable experience, and I can't tell you the number of times that happens to us. At the mall, the first day I was there, a purse was lost. I found the purse. I found the woman by a Facebook. She comes, and she and I say, you know, don't think I'm strange, but I know you have a business. Would you mind putting in some of these materials? And she said, I, I can't believe I found you. She said, my ex-husband has attempted to take his own life three times in the last year. So we talked, I put her in touch with some people. And I think what that illustrates is that we need to talk about this more, which um, I thought might be a good a good segue into how Michelle and I met. Um, around the time that Sinead O'Connor uh, came out pretty openly that she was very depressed, this was a few years ago, one of our local Um, community members posted on their Facebook about, you know, how sad it is that we ridicule and criticize people. And as you had talked about, you know, we blame this all on mental illness. I mean, we just kind of push it off to the side. Yeah, you're crazy, so I don't have to worry. So I don't have to worry about that. And something that I posted on this this feed was, you know, if this human were a dog— we see a dog, a stray dog, that, that its ears are lowered, its mm. tail is tucked, it right. has a depressed posture, it looks hungry and sad. And we immediately say, oh, what happened to you? What can I do to help? And we rescue yeah. and we make yeah. accommodations yeah. for a dog. We do. We go out of our way sometimes to stop everything to help a dog. But if we put a human in place of that dog, we say, what's wrong with you? That is like a little message that I've been trying to raise awareness about. And that's just a thought movement, which is we have to shift our thinking from what's wrong with you to what happened to you. Because with a dog, we'll make an excuse. We'll say, oh, you can tell that someone must have kicked that dog. Somebody was mean to her. But when it comes to a human, we don't make this connection that the exact same early childhood trauma that impacts a human being is the same early trauma that impacts another mammal, a dog. 
And so Michelle reached out to me. Because I read that, it was brilliant. And it was just a rant. It was brilliant. You know, it was just an Elaine rant, which I'm good at, you know, doing. (laughs) And um, Michelle reached out and said, hey, I would love to talk to you. And so as she and I were having this discussion about this, what I feel very passionately about, because my own father was homeless for 22 years, and he was, quote, unquote, that guy. And um, I, you know, and so my personal mission is raising awareness about accepting people for their differences. And so... Michelle, during our conversation, found out that I am one of those people that are on the other side. I am a suicide attempt survivor. So at the age of 23, I attempted to take my own life, um, and I full-on attempted. I woke up in the ICU, and I was not happy. I was in a very bad space. I had grown up in poverty. I had a lot of things going on in my life. And this later led to me getting into therapy and later having children. So you're saying when you woke up in the ICU, you said... Damn it, oh, I'm alive. Oh, I said more than damn it. <laughs> I was, I was, yeah, I had it in my, you know, very, very much in my mindset that I, I did not want to live. You know, that went on to get me into counseling, and I'm, I'm so glad that I, I stayed, you know, beyond that. because You're quite a successful person now. And I think that that's what Michelle and I had, had talked about. Is wouldn't it be amazing? She, you know, put the idea. Not amazing. Maybe that's not the best. I think it's amazing. Wouldn't it? Wouldn't it be? Maybe <laughs> the best word is. Wouldn't it be powerful? Yeah. If we had someone like you, someone who had attempted suicide, to reach out through radio, with some commercials, uh-huh. and you know, she had this idea of you know, it would just be a message like, hey, I care about you. If you're thinking about this, here are some things that you could do. And we would play the commercials during a period of time, like in the evenings or like when someone's driving home, where we were planting a seed when we have this captured audience. And so we started working on these together um, as Michelle and some other people were forming groups. I started doing a little more of the like social media and um, and some of the, the writing for these um, PSAs that we've done. And they have played on local radio um, during specific times of year where we both have gotten together and said, you know what, I bet people are sad right now. It's Mother's Day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Maybe yeah. we need to get something out there. Or it's wow. Father's Day. Or it's a holiday. Or we did one at Valentine's Day. And we've had several local um, royal hair parlor. I have to give a little shout out to them. They did a wonderful, wonderful. fundraiser last year and they raised money for this um, and mm-hmm. to pay. They were like, just take this money and pay for these the spots, radio spots, wow. which yes. because they see how powerful this can be. And as we did these radio spots, they they're as you know, on radio, you never want silence. Yeah. But they're dead silent in the background. And all you hear is the voice. Then there was another commercial that was done by a local comedian, Dan Paswell. Uh-huh. And um, he's just telling his personal story and asking people to reach out. But that's how I, you know, came in to this um, with Michelle, because it is something I feel passionate about, because I do know that if somebody has said to me in that moment, I'm going to ask you to stay, will you just stay? Can I just sit with you for 10 minutes? I can assure you that would have made the world of difference in my headspace. Because when you're depressed in, in, in that 10 minutes, you know, or however long, your mind is so, it twists. Depression just twists everything that you're thinking about. Yeah. And everything seems negative. And so if someone had said, I'm not going to leave you, I'm going to sit here and I'm going to talk to you until you don't need me anymore. 
And, you know, people go, oh, you know, they'll need you forever. It's not true. They don't. Right, right, right. You know, they the don't. last, they, they don't want to talk to you a lot yeah. after, they after they the reason don't. you yeah. talked with them was because they were going to take, take their, their own, own lives. lives. Yeah, they, but <laughs> it would, and that is why I got so pumped up and excited about this, because I feel that this will make a difference. And that's where we are. Now, Michelle, if I may. We're talking about all the resources that are available now, and to be sure, there's more resource that's needed. But when this happened to you, when you became a survivor, what's this, about almost 50 years ago, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. What was available to you then? It was a very unfortunate time because there wasn't virtually anything available except the pastor of your church. Uh -huh. Then, of course, depending on what religion you belonged to, you may have heard from the pastor of your church that you, your loved one couldn't be buried oh, in yes, the church right. cemetery. Yeah. The hardest part that I want people to know now to remember is I could see it coming, and there was nothing to do to stop it because no one would talk about it. Uh, uh, my father was had had a health issue. He had <clears throat> a heart attack. He then lost his job. He had been drinking, and there were family dynamics going on that made him very very sad. Mm -hmm. From childhood, these are so you can look at a person and put everything into play. What happened to them as a child? What happened to them last year? What happened last month? What happened last week? When you put that all together, you can really tell if someone is at risk. And once you've survived a suicide, you can really tell when someone's at risk. Mm -hmm. So there was, but there was nothing to do to stop it. Knowing what you know now, if you could go back in time, what would you say? Mm-hmm. Um, do you want to take it or do you want to not? No, I think it needs to be heard. Okay. I don't know if I could do it. I would say, Dad, I've noticed this, this, and this. I've noticed you've been drinking. I've noticed you lost your job. Your health is at risk. I'm really worried about you. And is are you're so depressed is are you thinking of taking your own life actually asking actually asking and i think that that is something that's that's so important is that i think how we are changed as people is we now do ask that question when when we see those signs i've reached out to family i've reached out to friends when you hear someone you do see the signs we turn away we turn away instead of asking you know i've noticed you and i think that alone says a lot i notice you're hurting i notice your pain Oh, have you thought about taking your own life? Because if you have, I want you to know I'm here. And I think that that is the, the difference, and it's powerful to do that, to just not, to be brave. And that's what I, I, I tell people, like, just be brave enough to ask. And it doesn't mean that it's, that you're rude about it or disrespectful. It's that you're coming from the, the deepest 
point of love that you have for that person to ask them. A lot of people might think that just bringing it up puts the idea into the person's head. And that, that is a myth. Okay. Um, I wish there was a way that, um, that I, an analogy I could use that was powerful, like we've just met, I could see certain things about you. What kind of car do you have? Me personally? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, I have a Prius. A Prius. I, you know, I love Priuses. I've, I've always want, wanted one. Do you like yours? Sure. Um, can, wow. Can I have it? No, I, I can't afford to give it to you. Huh. Are you sure you won't give it to me? <laughs> can you, th- I mean, really? But I, I brought it up that I want this. Yeah. And I and I don't have a way to get to work, so now will you give it to me? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, there's more that goes into a decision yeah, yeah. than just mentioning it, than and then they mentioning. do it. And yeah. so, are well, you thinking it, of taking your own life? And really, and do do you have a plan? And because there is tremendous relief when somebody gets you, yeah, across the board, whenever. We know that somebody sees us. There is such a relief and such a knowing. You have connected with Connected. Yeah. And when, and most people, I will say, unless there is a mental illness challenge, most people who take their own lives are not mentally ill. Uh It's a temporary situation where their mind is saying strange things because of stress. And so what they're looking for is a way to not have to take their own lives. And if you notice them and notice that everything is difficult and notice that maybe they're challenged, that's a huge relief. Uh, experienced folks have said this is a relief when someone sees it. Yeah. Well, I just wanted to, to add to that that part of what Project Day is about is raising awareness among just ordinary people, our peers, yeah. The people, as Michelle had mentioned, the people who are closest to us are the people who know us. They're the people who know who notice um, when our mood changes or if things might be uh, impacting us. There are tons of mental health facilities out there. There's tons of support services that are out there. They take time. They take appointments. There's a process. But reaching out to someone we regularly on our facebook put it out there hey i just want everyone to know i love you if you ever need someone to talk to if you if you ever want to talk to somebody i'm here for you reach out to me and i mean that and we will put the suicide hotline phone number out there why don't we do some of that uh, nuts and bolts stuff right Mm -hmm. now michelle Mm -hmm. let us say that i'm at the end of hope My mind is twisted mm-hmm. by stress, as you say. Mm-hmm. And you know what? All of a sudden, I feel like I want to kill myself. Mm-hmm. What should I do right now? Who to call? What to do? Who's going who's gonna to help me? Well, since you're right here with us, <laughs> we would probably talk to you. But I'm home alone. Home alone, home okay. Alone. And that's the thing. I'm alone, man. Nobody's there. I got divorced. I'm living on my own. Mm-hmm. I don't have the income I once had, mm-hmm. etc. So now, because you and I have spoken and you and Elaine have spoken, and we've given you permission, there's a good chance you would reach out to us first yeah, yeah. and say, wow, I'm feeling this way. And we'd say, wow, we know what that feels like. And 
Uh, you can call the National Suicide Prevention Hotline, and that is a, uh, a group of trained individuals who are very specifically, importantly, and lovingly trained to deal with your situation at your moment. I wanted to add that they are volunteers, uh, and sometimes if you call this number, you may be placed on hold or someone may uh, need to right. call you back. So I like for people to know that ahead mm -hmm. of time that don't give up just because mm -hmm. because they are volunteers. Elaine, that number is? 800-273-TALK, or you can text HOME to 741741. Is there someone that I can speak with? It's midnight, I'm home alone, there's no hope in my life. Is there someone local that I can speak with? That would be me. I have a card with my name on it, and 812-322-1500. I was flying back last Thanksgiving from New York, and I'm on the plane looking at my phone, and uh, someone comes through. Is this Michelle Martin Coleman? And I said yes, and it said, are you the suicide prevention hotline? And I said, no, but are you at risk? Would you like to talk? Uh -huh. To make a very long story short, this is live. This is in the air. You're flying. I'm flying. This was a young uh, person who was actually in the home with their uh, family, but feeling at risk and didn't feel comfortable talking with them. We talked maybe a half hour. And I told her that as a parent... I know parents would never want anything happen to their children. She was uncomfortable talking to parents. So I asked her if it was all right if I called her parents. Really? And she gave me the number, and I called them, and that was fixed. So it does happen just like that. Elaine went to a meeting. Tell them about that, where you met the gentleman who was divorced, and you just saw him oh, yeah. across the way. and. I'm glad but you it, brought this up because this is a good point that I wanted to, to add to our conversation, which is if you know someone who is going through a hard time, a divorce, job loss, if perhaps they ha are now getting into child visitation that they've never done before, right. that person might become depressed and they might contemplate taking their own lives. And what I um, did in a personal situation is reach out to that person. Yeah. Just, hey, I, I, are you doing okay? It's okay to, like, as a friend, we're afraid to reach out to people when they're going through a hard time. Yes. But instead, I reached out to this person, and I did find out that he was considering taking his own life. I got him on the phone, and during our conversation, I just point blank asked him, you know, I said to him, did you know that your daughter is more likely to take her own life if you choose to do this? Did you know that? Giving him that information, and I just point blank asked him, I, I'm going to ask you to stay. I want to ask you if you will stay, and will you promise me that you will meet me tomorrow morning at 9 o'clock in the morning and have coffee with me? And when I got there the next morning, he was a few minutes late, and I was terrified. I thought, oh, my gosh. You know, he didn't make it through the night. Um, and when he walked through the door, I was so relieved. My guests this week have been Michelle Coleman. She's the founder of Project Stay. Elaine Gwynn, who's the media outreach person for Project Stay. Elaine, Michelle, thank you for being on Big Talk. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Bye.